think the most important thing and the thing that I say to people the most often is that gluten is a protein that makes things stretchy. Um, so I think that there might be some preconceived notion that a gluten-free cake or cookie is going to be dry or crumbly. And, you know, maybe there are bad products out there, but I don't think that gluten is necessary to a good cake or, or brownie or something that you want, always wanted to be nice and soft and tender anyway. We are excited to share this conversation with Jamie Mertz, owner of the Red Bandana Bakery, which is a gluten-free bakery in Bethesda and our practice administrator, Christine, who is a herbalist and yogi herself as well. If you've ever tried gluten-free baking, you know what a challenge it can be. For many people, gluten-free eating is a necessity that their health relies on. This conversation is all about how Jamie has brought gluten-free baking to her community and her top tips for making gluten-free treats that you and your loved ones will absolutely devour. Please enjoy. Welcome, Jamie. Thank you for having me. So excited to have Jamie from the Red Bandana Bakery in Bethesda here with us today. Um, Red Bandana Bakery is on Wisconsin Avenue in Bethesda, gluten-free bakery, and um, Jamie is the founder, correct? That's right. That's me. Good. Welcome. So tell us the story of how you became a pastry chef. So I graduated from college in 2011, and I, I knew that I wanted to do something creative. I you know, studied painting in college and didn't really have a job coming right out of that in that field, so I decided to go to pastry school um, at L'Academy de Cuisine in Gaithersburg, and they had a one-year program that included an externship and a lot of on, hands-on classwork, um, learning traditional French pastry. Um, so that was interesting to me. I, I like the artistry of pastry and, you know, getting to make something new every day. But I always knew that I wanted to do something a little bit healthier than all the traditional butter and sugar and, and wheat and all of that. So It is an art, isn't it? When I think of, uh, I'm interested to learn more about that. I know um, you just shared that you had this interest or background in art. And what a great transference into the world of pastry, right? There's so much creativity there. And um and on so many levels with ingredients and um, what you're creating, how it looks, fancy, not fancy, you know. Um, okay, before I go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> let's talk about why you decided to open a gluten-free bakery. So actually, during the year that I was in pastry school, my little brother, who's uh, 10 years younger than I was, um, was uh, put on a gluten-free and casein-free diet by his doctors. He had autism. He had global developmental disabilities, but um, probably a, a lot of it was autism, and they recommend that to help with um, behavioral issues that he was having. Um, and he'd had a lot of allergies and intolerances growing up, too. At one point, he couldn't do soy. It, it was on rice milk only and everything. But at that particular point in time, he was about 10, and um, he was put on gluten-free, casein-free. So I was like, that's an interesting creative challenge to try to adapt these recipes to use different chemicals and different ingredients to recreate those. Challenging, too, I would imagine. I mean, what a great motivation to help your brother. I mean, that's, I love that story. Um, so gluten, can you tell us a little bit? I know you're not a, a medical person. You're not a doctor. You're not a nutritionist. We do have those here at Capital Integrative Health. But um, can you tell us a little bit about what gluten is and why some people decide to avoid it? Right. So 
It's interesting having the actual schooling of the culinary school part of it. They do teach you a lot about the chemistry behind why different recipes work. And we talk about gluten and gliadin, which are both proteins in wheat and in other grains. Um, and they create uh, stretchiness, like toughness in a baked good. When you knead a traditional bread dough, you actually hold it up to the light and try to stretch it and look through it, and they call it a gluten window. Um, so the, the term gluten comes up aside from you know, allergies. It comes up in, in certain breads you're trying to develop gluten. Um, but then that doesn't agree with some people's stomachs, their um, intestines, particularly people with celiac disease. Um, it supposedly breaks down the cilia in their intestines over time. I'm sure you know more about this than I do. And in Jack's case, um, the idea was that his intestines couldn't break down the gluten and the casein mo molecules sufficiently so that it actually when it gets into their bloodstream, it will get to the brains of kids with autism and ADHD, and it has effects on their brains. Interesting. Um, yeah. I love that you made the leap from, my brother has this, I'm going to change some recipes, to I'm going to open a bakery. <laughs> so can you talk about that? Because I think it's so beautiful that you've done this for the inclusion piece, because there are so many children, not just children, but adults who... Um, are uh, excluded, if you will, from celebration sometimes. Like, oh, I can't eat the cake or I can't have the cookie because I, I, it has gluten. And um, so how did you make the leap from I'm going to do this for my brother, now I'm going to do this for my community? Yeah, so I was, uh, after culinary school, working in different bake shops and catering companies and restaurants and kind of having the gluten-free thing on the side, you know, occasionally play with things at work or like at, at night, you know, work on different recipes and try to adapt things. And I was selling those at the farmer's market in Bethesda and kind of, you know, thought, well, we'll do some healthy, we'll do some this, we'll do some that, and really got a lot of feedback from a lot of people that they were looking for a place that was 100% gluten-free to avoid the cross-contamination. Yeah, um, that's a that's a thing, right? Because yeah. you can say gluten-free, but if you're making things in a facility that has gluten, people who are you know, really have to be super careful, that's scary, right? It can be scary if you're not. Yeah, and it, it does really get everywhere. That's the nature of flour. A lot of yeah. things I've worked at, right. it's, it's, it's everywhere. like everywhere, <laughs> yeah. right? So, so, yeah, so people can know that um, your bakery is totally gluten-free, no chance of cross-contamination. Right. Yeah. No chance of getting two products confused or, you know, using the same pan and... and so are you a gluten-free person? Do you eat gluten-free? or I don't have any dietary restrictions or you know particular sensitivities. I would say that since opening the bakery, for sure, I eat very, very little gluten. Um, I would say the biggest thing that it has taught me is to read ingredient labels, and I definitely eat a lot more whole foods and you know less processed foods in, with that um, awareness now. Yeah, that reminds me, you are not just a bakery. You have other food there too, right? You serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yep. And what I love, I just I checked it out before before you got here, um, your menu, just so I could chat with you about it a little bit more. But you have the family meal, which is so great and how convenient. And people can call ahead yeah. and get a gluten-free, some of them are vegan and dairy-free as well, meal for your family. Call ahead and just swing by and pick it up, right? Yep. That's so great. Um, I saw gluten-free pizza for the kiddos and mm -hmm. some other like really good vegan options. So that's so great what you're doing. Um, what I want to know a little bit more, and I'm sure our audience does too, is the difference um, 
between gluten-free baking and conventional baking. Like, it just never tastes the same at home, but at Red Bandana it does. <laughs> it tastes amazing, I can tell you that, audience. But how do you do that? I mean, what is what is the difference? What's different about gluten-free baking? Yeah, there are a couple differences. For example, we can't just use one flour and plug it in as if it was wheat flour. We have a blend for most things that's a combination of white rice, brown rice, potato, and tapioca starch. Um, but then you also have to adjust that based on, you know, if you're making something savory or you're making something that you want to be thicker or chewier, you have to adjust those ratios a little bit. I would say that in general, a pretty good rule of thumb is you want your batter to be a lot wetter. Um, ah. We use a lot more liquid in the batters because if you have a, a bread dough that's tough and hard like you're you're used to um, with the gluten, it's going to bake off very, very dense and very heavy and hard. So you have to, like our bread dough for our white bread, for example, is like almost a batter. Like you can almost pour it. That's so interesting. So yeah. there really is chemistry behind this process. You have to really know your stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Chemistry is, is cooking. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about the different kinds of flours one might use in gluten-free baking? Sure. There's a couple different directions you can go in. Um, for example, with some of our savory baked goods, we'll use more of like a bean uh, flour blend. For example, the Bob's Red Mill um, all-purpose flour blend that you'll see at the stores is primarily garbanzo bean flour and fava bean flour. Um, they do integrate some potato starch in that too. The starches are helpful for kind of making things sticky stick together a little bit better but if you used too much of just one of those it could get a little gluey and maybe some people have seen a baked good a failed recipe where the the starch is just kind of uh gluey it almost looks like transparent in the inside because it it doesn't um dry out enough uh so you've got to have the right ratio there we also make some things with coconut flour and almond flour typically for if somebody's requested a paleo or a keto-friendly baked good, we would use those two. Uh, usually in combination, the coconut flour is uh, very absorbent. So if you go with solely coconut flour, um, you need to add a lot of liquid and then it gets kind of soupy. Or if you don't add enough liquid, it's very, very dense. Um, but the coconut in combination with the almond is really nice. They're both a little bit higher in fat and they have a nice flavor, but the, the, the those baked goods do tend to be a little bit denser, so I wouldn't use those to try to get the most traditional cake or cookie flavor, um, but everybody likes the flavor of almond, I think. so. Yeah, it's such a good flavor. It's nice for that, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, there's also a couple different starches we'll use with the rice flour, um, just like I was saying, to make things stick together a little bit. Uh, we use potato and tapioca starch the most, but... Um, probably people can find in their stores and they would like arrowroot starch as well. I have seen that at the grocery store. Yeah, yeah it almost works like cornstarch. Um, you can thicken things like uh, puddings and like a custard with a, something like an arrowroot starch. Um, I would say we like the Bob's Red Mill for our things like our ancient grain bread, which we also um, use sorghum flour and millet and amaranth in. Um, those are like really nice ancient grains that have a nice complex flavor too, like a little bit nuttier, so more of a whole grain. Um, but you wouldn't want to use the bean flours or those in a like chocolate cupcake or a brownie because unless you were going for that, but you will smell and taste some of those uh, stronger flavors some from those grains. flours. Yeah. 
Okay, so for all of you adventurers out there who want to dive into the world of uh, gluten-free baking at home, there's some helpful tips from Jamie, um, or you could just go straight to Red Bandana Bakery. So I know when I go to the grocery store, because I do eat a gluten-free diet, uh, when I go and I think, oh gosh, I really just want a brownie, like... Well, we can talk about your bonfire brownies. You know, I love those. But um, I just want to make like a really good brownie, but I don't know where to begin. And it never tastes the same. It's because I don't know. I don't I don't know the chemistry. Like, I don't know. I should add more water and things like that. So um, I know they have in the grocery store, this is what I was getting to, the um, all-purpose gluten-free baking mix. Is that something that you would recommend? I haven't played with a lot of them. I would say they are probably very good for home cooks because you don't want to have to buy four different kinds of flour and then store all of that. Um, So we do make our own blends, and that makes sense because I have a whole bakery to store uh, different kinds of flour. Um, I've heard good things about them, especially for making things like cakes and brownies, um, which I think are a little bit more forgiving than like a bread dough or a pizza dough, which is... um, Gluten makes things chewy, right? It makes things tough. And you never wanted a brownie or a cake to be tough in the first place. So it's well suited to those flours. Even people, home cooks might be familiar with cake flour. That is a low, a naturally low gluten flour. And there are different kinds of wheats. Um, they call them winter wheats or summer wheats. Some of them naturally contain less gluten than others. That's really good to know. So yeah. that's bread flour that you could buy in the regular grocery store? Bread flour would typically be a higher gluten flour. Okay. Um, yeah. What was one you just mentioned that would be lower? Cake flour. Cake flour. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cake like, flour. Like audience, the, cake flour. The white lily flour that's used for biscuits in the South or like swan's cake flour are a lo- lower gluten flour. Okay. But still have gluten, but just a lower right. amount. They're made with wheat, but it's a summer wheat, which is supposed to make baked goods more tender. Okay. All right. Good to know. Um So we talked about some of the gluten-free flours and what each type is best for. Gluten-free bakery that you have, Red Bandana, is serving the community in a way that no other in this area is, I think. So um, what has the impact been on the community? Have you noticed? Has anyone shared? Yeah, we get a lot of very gracious, grateful people who, um, you know, bring their kids and they say, look, you can have anything you want here. What a treat. (laughs) I can tell you as a gluten-free person, this is amazing. I cannot imagine having a little person who has this need, you know, to have a gluten-free diet and to be able to take them into a bakery and say, pick what you want. Yeah. We worked with uh, Children's National Medical Center celiac disease program. And I it was eye opening to me that they have like a therapist on staff that works with kids who have just been diagnosed with celiac because they freak out, you know, that is a, such a good thing to know. Yeah. Um, so, it, it's very um, rewarding to be able to to do this, especially for kids. We do birthday parties on site. I have two birthday parties booked for this weekend, which is going to be That's great. Fun. Tell me about that. What does that look like? So they invite their friends, and we make um, a recipe of cake together. So they all kind of contribute and get to add ingredients, and we talk about why we add certain ingredients. And then we have little mini cakes that we've pre-baked that we bring out, and then they all get to decorate their own little mini cake. And then, of course, we bring out the birthday cake, and we cut and serve that. Um, And we also have a party with pizza where we do the same thing. We make the pizza dough together and then everybody gets a little ball of pizza dough and rolls out their own little pizza. And it's very cool to me that their friends typically are not gluten-free, you know, just because you're gluten-free doesn't mean everyone you know would be. And 
it normalizes it for all of them, you know? Yeah, that's that's such good work you're doing. I had no idea. This is so good. Yeah, thank you for offering that to our community. It's so important. Thank you for that. Um, I was wondering and thinking about you uh, and your business during COVID, and I was wondering the impact, and I thought, oh, my gosh. It was right in the middle of COVID. I think we uh, here at CIH needed a cake for something. I forget what it was for, a baby shower or something. And I was like, oh, my gosh, let's call Jamie at Red Bandana and see if she can do it. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I hope she's okay during COVID. So how did you guys manage? Yeah, like like most businesses that made it through, it was just a lot of innovation and trying to do things a different way. We did online baking classes where we put together ingredient kits and we either could deliver them or people were picking them up curbside. And then we would do like a Facebook Live event where we'd put the recipe together um, live and people could ask questions. Uh, we got much better at delivery. I know we've delivered a couple cakes over here and that was something that I hadn't really figured out logistically um, before COVID, but because that was much more important to people. Now, you know, even when people are comfortable coming back into the shop and picking things up, having that up my sleeve has helped me expand the business ultimately. Way to go. How about the cooking classes online? Are you still doing that? So we did them every weekend for like a year. And now we have recordings of like every recipe I know how to oh, make. Oh, on your website? So, yeah. So every once in a while, if somebody wants to do like a uh, uh, live one with their friends, you know, just for them, we'll schedule one. But we also, you can just call and order the baking kit and bake along with the pre-recorded videos at this point whenever you want. Okay. And the birthday parties you mentioned, they're in conjunction with children. So this is not something that you typically do. You don't go to someone's home and do parties or do you? Um, We've not, not, that is not true. I've done them at people's homes, but we, we have them at the bakery for, for anyone. Yeah. You can have a birthday party where they can decorate their own cake and all that at, there at the bakery. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's so fun. It's so good to know. So outside of COVID, I'm sure there have been other challenges in your business. Are there any of those that stand out in your mind that you've met and head on and overcome? Yeah, I would say um, staffing is difficult as it is for every business. Um, You know, having the right people who care as much as I do and have the right mix of baking experience and and, uh, being good with people, too. It's a small enough team that everybody has to do a little bit of everything. So that's always tough to figure out. And I would say a big challenge for me the whole time has always been that I'm so personally and emotionally invested in this. And when you run a business, not everybody's going to like everything. And it is difficult for me when I get pushed back. But um, that's just something you have to you have to do in any career, right, is uh, not take things too personally. Yeah. I remember the first time I met you was at a fair, a kind of, um, I don't know what that was. It was a, an herb festival or something like that. But um, I was so thrilled to be able to get a treat. Like, oh, my gosh, I can go get a treat because it's gluten-free. So are you still doing things like that, farmer's markets and fairs and taking your wares around? Yeah, I am. Um, I think we're doing one with American University next week. We're doing Taste of Bethesda this weekend. All right. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah, all those events are coming back now, especially the outdoor ones. So, Very good. Well, I know we have to put in um, a reservation for a cake coming up for a special occasion here, so I'll make sure we do that before you head out. Oh, good. So recommendations or top tips you have for those of us who are trying to bake gluten-free recipes at home. Is there any special little trick um, 
I know we can get the gluten-free mix and, you know, make brownies with the mix. But if we want them to be like like the red bandana, <laughs> are there any tricks you can pass along? Uh, yeah. We don't want your secrets, but just something that may be, a, may be a helpful hint for those of us who are trying to do some gluten-free baking. Yeah, I would definitely say the wetter batters thing. Um, if you eat eggs, more eggs like always helps with uh, the leavening and also just like the softness and tenderness of the batters. Um, and also just serving things warm. Of course, like a fresh croissant, a fresh pastry is always going to be better than a cold one. But the gluten-free flours, I think, tend to bloom and be a lot more tender when they are warm as opposed to you know, even an hour out, out of the oven or whatever. Okay. And what about reheating? If we wanted to put it in like a toaster oven for a second, then yep. it would come right back to that squishy, yummy. Yes, <laughs> okay. exactly. It's good to know. All righty. Um, what is one thing you wish everyone knew about gluten-free baking? Is there such a thing? I mean, is there one thing that you can think of? I think the most important thing and the thing that I say to people the most often is that gluten is a protein that makes things stretchy. Um, So I think that there might be some preconceived notion that a gluten-free cake or cookie is going to be dry or crumbly. And, you know, maybe there are bad products out there, but I don't think that gluten is necessary to a good cake or or brownie or something that you want always wanted to be nice and soft and tender anyway. So I would say that it's a it's a stretchiness thing and okay. you don't need stretchiness in all your baked goods. Okay, very good. And I can vouch for the cake thing. We had a the cake that you brought over for us for um whatever special occasion it was and we were all in the break room and everyone had their slice of cake and they were like, Oh my gosh, this cake is amazing. And someone said, oh, I can't have it because I'm gluten-free. I said, yes, you can. (laughs) Yes, you can. And everyone couldn't, they couldn't believe it. They're like, oh, my gosh, this cake is so delicious. The texture, everything, the taste was just like, wow, you would never know. So... I'm glad um, to hear that. We yeah. do we do wedding cakes too, and oftentimes, you know, the bride or the groom or the mother of the bride is gluten free, and they just order a gluten free cake for everybody to eat because it's just as good. You can't even tell. Yeah, you really can't. So kudos yeah. to you. It's amazing work you're doing. Um, I think that um, when we get right down to it, those of us who are gluten free, we really just want to be able to have what everyone else <laughs> has, you know. So I don't want to skip over. Um, the other things that you offer at the bakery. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure. You mean like the different menu items? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, We do breakfast sandwiches and lunch sandwiches. And like you said, the family meals, um, we're open every day except for Monday. So you can always just come in. Some, sometimes people think they have to pre-order everything. And if you need a, a big cake for 30 people or whatever, it definitely helps to know ahead of time. But if you just want to pop in for a sandwich or a coffee or a cookie, we have all those available every day. That's so good. Yeah, thanks so much again for for being here and for sharing what you're doing. How can listeners learn more about you and find your business? Sure. So we have a website, theredbandanabakery.com, and that's a good place to look up menus and um, all of our order forms are there so you can pre-order cakes and stuff like that. The baking kits we talked about are available on the website. Um, You can book a birthday party on the website. And then we're also on Instagram at... The Red Bandana Bakery. We're on Facebook at the Red Bandana Bakery, um, and we're on Twitter. Very good. And so, for um, I'm sure the podcast will 
be launching before you or after you do the Taste of Bethesda, but anything, um, I guess, maybe a couple of months out from now where people might find you? Christmas, we do like the sugar cookie decorating kits. Um, oh, that's so fun. Gingerbread houses. Oh, yeah. that's gluten-free gingerbread houses. Yep. That's amazing. Oh, my gosh. So, so you are so much more than a bakery. I feel your passion and your love and commitment to the work that you're doing. So thank you again so much, Jamie, for offering your gifts and talents to our community. And thanks for being here at Capital Integrative Health today. Thank you. This has been great. Take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us today. If you enjoyed this conversation, please take a moment to leave us a review. It helps our podcast to reach more listeners. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episodes and conversations. And thank you so much again for being with us.